Play Raceland's game. Mage Stones game. Mage Stones is an exciting new game from TSR that is filled with fast action and fun. This new game is said to have been created by Raceland, one of the most famous wizards of the Dragonlance saga. When you play Mage Stones, you'll use your strategic abilities and intrigue to force other players' stones off the board. It's a quick, exciting game that's easy to learn for two to six friends of all ages. Available now at your local hobby shop. Pick up your copy today. TSR. Welcome, dear listener, to our podcast, Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Where we journey through each issue of the most underrated Marvel series of the 80s while drinking beer. Analyzing awesome and amazing adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. And I am Rick. A dream to some. A random banter to others! <laughs> random banter time, buddy. Talk to me, tell me trivia tidbits and tantalizing tales of... Things to dream the impossible dream. I know it's probably not from uh, uh, Man of La Mancha, but as soon as you started saying that, I couldn't help but think of Man of La Mancha. I could see that. This is, I, I am cheating. This is a, a, a random banter intro that I have used before, but it fits really well for yeah, this issue. I, it, it's, it's, I want to say it's Star Trek? No. I will give you the same hints that I gave, gave you last time, okay. which is uh, plastic, shiny, glimmering plate mail. Oh, Excalibur. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> and duh, duh, duh. You got, duh, you got duh, two duh. of them right there in the one. You got like Excalibur and Dreams. I mean, bravo, sir. Also, the word that I removed and replaced with random banter is a nightmare to others. <laughs> uh, I'm just like, oh, what random banter am I going to do? And I'm like, oh, man, I can't not do this because nope. it just fits far too well. Nope, 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 nope. It's, it, it fits perfectly fine. And we are going to get <laughs> all those things in a bit. But first, I'll talk about my random banter and I will bring it back to movies because I watched... Like many other people, probably during this past week or weekend when we're recording this, Godzilla vs. Kong. I would like to say right now that that movie is not good. It is not good. There is plot holes in it. There is... Uh, the characters are just meh. Uh, the, the premise is flimsy as anything. Is it fun? Was I laughing hysterically? Yes, I was. My, was my family completely not interested? Yes, they were. <laughs> Did my family just say... What are you enjoying about this movie? Yes, they did. But was I loving it? I was loving it because it was, was a bunch of big monsters going punchy, 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 punchy. And that's what I wanted. That's what I wanted. I wanted big monsters punching each other. And that's what I got. Awesome. I do, in fact, really want to see that. The trailers for it have had me stoked. A neighbor friend of mine was like, hey, random question. We're going to rent a theater. Do you want to come see this with us? And I'm like, uh, yes, with all of my heart, but no. Oh, come on. You got your shot. You got your shot. I know. Well, one shot. One oh, shot. You're only Not one two. shot, boy. I'm halfway there, living on a prayer. You and I both, my friend, because I was going to mention one or the other, but I decided yep. we're here. Last we'll weekend, I got my first shot, and I got my second one scheduled for, I think it's May the 2nd. Yeah, May the 2nd. So, yippee, skippy, skippy John Jones. And how did, and, and how did I get in there so early? Because... 
I hit the I hit the age, but I got my appointment before they opened it up for a lot more people. How did I get in there? I said, yes, sorry, Bobby, I am overweight. I have a high <laughs> BMI index and I am not afraid to admit it because does that get me in to get a shot early? Yes, it does. <laughs> it's like, I'm not quite there, but I could drink more beer and eat more pizza. I think I'll be ready. I, I tell you, I tell you, you know, they, they, I went in there. They're like, so why? So what's your reason for being here? Hi, BMI. She just looked yeah. at me, nodded and smiled and said, roll up your sleeve. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> I want that sweet, sweet candy put in my arm, please, ma'am. Just, just, just get, get me there. Cause I, I, I want to get it done. <laughs> I want, I, I want to be on the right side of history on this. I, I want to open it up. I want to, I want to be part of the herd immunity. I want to help protect those people who, for some reason or another, don't want to get theirs, but mostly the people who can't. Yeah, we talked about this before, actually, on a thing. It was uh, called free riders, mm -hmm. where they're they're free riding on other people's immunities, and so you got to have those other people there to provide that buffer for the people that either are unable to or unwilling to. So you were able to get into it because of the hot pockets in your pocket that you goes into your it. mouth. I, the hot pocket excuse. <laughs> the hot pocket express. In it goes, and there I tried to keep it so I can get my <laughs> shot. I got it a different way. I wrestled an old person to the ground and stole their shot. No, nice. I didn't do that. I actually, I got mine early because I uh, volunteer at a vaccine center. So one of the mass vaccination sites, I, uh, I, vol I volunteered there. And at the end of the shift, they were like, have you had a shot? And you say no. And they go, you want one? And you go, yes. And then you get in line. Scheduling up. Me and Hillary both. That's how we've done it. And she's had her second now. And she's volunteered a couple of times. I'm scheduling up another volunteer thing. And, you know, I, I did uh, monitoring duty on people, you know, the 15-minute wait after they had their shots. And it was really fun. I really enjoyed it. Walking up and down, wearing masks, answering questions. Either, you know, you're checking on people and seeing, you know, answering the questions if they have any. You're checking to see if they need a medic. I got to call a medic for somebody. I got to answer people's questions. I got to talk to people. And the overwhelming feeling that people had was just relief and joy. So many people that were there were just so happy. I was talking to one lady and she's like, I pulled in to my spot and got in line and, you know, parked the car waiting to go forward. And I just started bawling and I don't know why. And I'm like, well, that's, you've had emotional trauma for like over a year now. This is, it's expected. Do not feel bad. Tears are healthy and help and healing, and it's this is joy. So that's great. I had one person who was kind of an old uh, miserable puss, though, which was kind of funny. He's just I'm like, how are you, are you feeling? Okay, he's like, yeah, I'm just kind of feeling impatient. And I'm like, yeah, 15 minutes. You've probably been here 10, five minutes. You get to go home. And he's like, no, I'm just pretty impatient. Don't get me started. Don't get me started on this. I'm like, I I won't. Don't get me started. I'm not. As I walk away, <laughs> so. I am proud that you did that. I. Just did not have the time. I did not have the availability to be able to do that. I know that you did that. We have a lot of our friends that all volunteered to help out with that. Some of the crowd that we hang out with is a little bit on the older side. So we have some friends who have retired and who mm -hmm. have a little bit more ability to go out and do that and help out people. And I think it's great. I think it's fantastic. And I, I really appreciated what you did and what a lot of our friends did on this because, yeah. Yep. <laughs> I'm looking forward to going back and doing it again. It actually was... Uh, you had a lot of people thanking you, and it's like, I just walk up and down, you know, a parking lot, basically, and stare at people. I'm like, <laughs> this is what I get out of it. Later, a shot, and also a snack tent, but mostly, <laughs> how often do you get to just stare in people's windows on a car, and they're, like, happy to see you, as opposed to, what, what's this freak doing? <laughs> so. More than you would realize. More than you would realize, <laughs> I tell you. Uh, yeah. We, we can talk about shots. We can talk about movies. We can talk about 
drinking all day, all day long. Uh, and I like to talk about drinking. But before we can actually talk about drinking, Jeff, what happened with the last episode? I seem to remember that there was something important that happened last episode. What was it? Oh, uh, we, we, we stopped being a power pack podcast and became a whatever we are now podcast no we are still a power pack podcast <laughs> that's right well let me try and sum up what happened in two sentences on the last issue appreciate that horse alex is trapped in his mist form and the red ghost and his super apes have defeated the combined might of power pack and fantastic four but these ne'er-do-wells never accounted for the fact that they now have to face the limitless power of power jim dressed in his chimelian costume and wielding super strength and force fields to fight his foes well Joke's on us, because Power Jim was really the Elan all along who got defeated by being shot with a baboon gun. But that's okay, because Alex got all better, healed everybody up, and then they proceeded to put all the monkeys back in the barrel and save the essence of Friday before wrapping up the whole shebang of the original series. Now that the storyline wrap-ups include Raymond deciding to leave the superhero world behind and becoming a homeless man again, the Elan deciding that it was time for him to return to his own sector of space, and the powers finally deciding to go to Chimelia to see if someone there might be able to fix what ails them. Two-sentence replay is over. Why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our power pack pick is? My pleasure, my friend. I would like you to reach over, grab that sword of yours from the lady in the, well, pitcher of water next to you and, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and say, I don't need a sword, I need a beer. And what beer does she give you, Jeff? The legend states that he who is able to draw this beer forth from this paper bag entombment shall have their thirst quenched forever. Hey, I did it. I'm a hero. I'm a thirst quenched man. Ah, uh, Rogue Dreamland American <laughs> Lager. 12 fluid ounces. That is a pretty can. That is very purpley and yellows and uh, artsy and very dreamy. There's a person skateboarding down a twisty yellow road through space with spaceships and screws and rockets and pterodactyls and cement mixers and screwdrivers and flowers with eyes and cartoon fingers and stuff. There's a UFO with a uh, three-headed monster in it. So, you know, that, oh, that, that, oh. that, that ties in too, yeah. There's fish. There's a There's lot. a planet. There's a <laughs> lot going on with this. Yeah, it is a, a three-eyed monster in a uh, in a flying purple people power kind of thing. Yeah, Dreamland. Mm -hmm. That's why this beer got picked because this Excalibur issue number twenty nine <laughs> is all about nightmares, Dreamland realmscape stuff, and. 4.8% ABV. I don't know if that's going to be enough to get us to Dreamland, but it should nope. be pleasant. It's a 14 IBU, and this beer was born from a dream. A dream to renovate our hometown skate park in Newport, Oregon to give our community a safe and clean place to skate. The incredible people at Dreamland Skate Parks help make our dream a reality, and with them, we want to help others realize their dream. So we brewed Dreamland American Lager, a simple crisp lager from which a portion of the proceeds will go towards building skate parks around the world. Welcome to Dreamland. Very nice. Story time in it is dedicated to do-it-yourself, dare, risk, dream. Dream the impossible, the impossible dream. dream. I tell ya. To drink the drinkable beer. <laughs> to pour the beverage without foaming. Well. I don't, what are we doing? I kind of got 
lost there. Sanchez failed on the pour of the beer. Oh. <laughs> I got foam. I have a very successful pour on mine. This is possibly the best pour I've done in years, and I'm very proud of myself. And you saw it all on audio. <laughs> on audio. Yes. Don't take it from me. Look here on the audio format. See? See the wave file show the perfect foam on the beer. <laughs> that looks that's a very bubbly American lager looking beer. Yeah, that is that your... is that is very, very clear. Very clear. Once again we do the Jeff test, and I can kind of see Jeff through that hazy fog of a yep. clear, clear beer there. Yep, um, you look through uh, yep, you look to see if you can see me, and I hold it up to some orchid lights to see the coloration that comes through. And mm-hmm. yeah, that is just a very pale, weak colored, very bubbly. That's like a Hefeweizen. Uh, yeah, except Hefs are, you know, this is unfiltered. Even paler, paler. Yeah, this is way paler than that and even way more clear. But yeah, it looks like a soda pop, mm-hmm. in all honesty. It looks like it could be a, a ginger ale or a honey cream or something. I'm getting a more of a wheat smell from it. Huh. I'm getting generic American lager smell mm-hmm. off mine. Well, I mean, same thing. This is an American lager, so it should be. So, know. yeah. <laughs> so, it, it, it is, it's, it's doing what so, it's supposed to. So far, to. we've described exactly what a lager should be. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> People, look at an, a generic American lager. There you go. Now smell it. Not a, not one of the skunky ones, but this is a very pleasant smell. Yeah. It's very... I got to tell you, um, this is very pleasant. This is hmm. a generic American lager. This really... Well, this is actually a this is tasty, yeah, very tasty generic very tasty. American lager. It, it's got a good flavor to it. It's, it's sweet. It definitely has that more wheat notes than hop notes. Yeah. But it's got a very sweeter taste to it. No skunk on it at all. The aftertaste on it is where I'm getting that uh, American lager flavor. That yeah. kind of like, oh, yeah, okay, I've had a insert your dad's canned beer here. But but it's not bad. Yeah, it's still yeah. better. No, this is this, is, this good. is possibly the best American lager that I've ever had. Yeah, I could go with that. I could definitely go with that. There is nothing exciting about this. Let, let no. me get, let me let's be honest with it. There is nothing exciting about this beer at all. It is tasty. It's got a nice sweet taste. It's got a nice just simple clean lager taste in the background. That and that lager taste is it's a taste that no you know you've had beer, but it's not trying to overtake your mouth. It's not trying to really run you over with its taste. It's not making you work. Right. It's not challenging your palate. It's not making you go, oh, wait a minute. I do taste the currants and mm-hmm. I can, I can, this was in a shady glen where it was grown, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> wait a minute. What kind of earth was this in? Because I'm tasting some pH. You know, it's it's just like, this is just a decent American lager. Mm-hmm. It is really all I can say about it. Well, now that we got the beers, I think the next tip is a... We can't put it off any longer. We gotta, we gotta talk about a book that's not Power Pack, but is Power Pack? Eh? Hey, well, well, let's start with the opening credits, if you please. Excalibur, issue number twenty-nine, late September nineteen ninety-one. Dream a little dream. Credits: Writer: Michael Higgins. Penciler: Chris Wozniak. Inker: Joseph Rubinstein. Letterer: Tom Orzakowski. Colorist: Glennis Oliver. Editor: Terry Cavanaugh. Chief: Tom DeFalco. Featuring. Excalibur, Kurt Wagner, Nightcrawler, a mutant who has the power to teleport, Rachel Summers, Phoenix, a mutant with telekinesis and telepathy powers, Megan, a mutant who can change her form, Brian Braddock, Captain Britain, a mystically powered hero who can fly and is ridiculously strong. Guest starring, Power Pack, Alex Power, has turned into a Chimelian, Julie Power, 
hasn't turned into a Chimelian. Jack Power hasn't turned into a Chimelian. Katie Power hasn't turned into a Chimelian. Franklin Richards foisted off onto the Power family by his deadbeat parents. Uh, excuse me. He hasn't also turned into a chameleon. Yes, but he's not one of the family. He doesn't have power pack powers, so that's not a risk. Mm, you never know. Okay, just for coverage. Franklin Richards, also not a space horse. Thank you. Marty the Martian and Elan, which is an all-powerful alien that we see for exactly one panel in this comic. <coughs> and also, not a chameleon. Thank you. Friday. Not a Chimelian, but a Chimelian smart ship. Jim, but not Maggie Power. Jim is trying to find a cure for Maggie's Chimelian-induced brain damage by traveling the Earth instead of going to Chimelia, where the Chimelians live. But they are not Chimelians. No. Jim and Maggie, not Chimelians. Flying through the air with greatest of ease, Captain Britain, Megan, and Phoenix have noticed something strange floating above the lighthouse that is their headquarters, and they have gone to investigate it. Hang on. They have a lighthouse as a headquarters? Huh. Is that a problem? What? No. Just, uh, wait. Hey, Hillary! We're moving! I have a really bad idea! Check Zillow and see if there are any lighthouses for sale. Yes! I said lighthouses! Well, this is just going to make things really awkward. But I'm also curious to see what happens. Anyway, uh, back to the story. The thing which has got the flying members of Britain's foremost mutant team all anxious is a really big spaceship. And I mean really big. We probably should talk about scale and size sometimes. Because while this is Friday, I do not think we have ever seen her drawn that big before. The enormous ship has caused the team to come out ready to throw some fists because there is no telling what this UFO besieging their lighthouse might do. But they quickly determine that the ship is really not doing anything, just floating there. In a shocking move, they all decide to pull a McCready and Childs before causing destruction. So they wait to see what happens? Yes, they wait. To see what happens. This is a good moment for the fourth member of the team, Nightcrawler, to join in. He has been watching everything from the lighthouse and decides to teleport onto the ship to see if he can find some answers. Or some sweet alien swag he can sell on eBay. He quickly discovers what he takes to be an unconscious alien horse creature from some distant world. Sweet! Those can sell for so much money! <sighs> but we all know that it is Alex Power. Well... Drat. Alex picks this moment to wake up and start to ask his old friend for help because Alex knows Nightcrawler is who he is, even though Nightcrawler doesn't know who Alex is. It's confusing. Not as confusing as that sentence. There is a lot that happens all at once, and the writer quickly moves us past a large part of awkwardness. While Alex is talking to Kurt like he knows him, the Elan, who is no longer missing an antenna, walks up and asks Alex if he is okay. Hearing just Alex, Nightcrawler makes the grand intuitive leap that this is Alex Power. Question. Why did he not first think of Alex Summers? I mean, I would guess that Kurt may have a closer relationship with a fellow X-Man than a kid he met in Power Pack number 12. Well, Kurt had taken a moment and read the call sheet for this issue. He saw that Power Pack was going to make an appearance, so he just put it together. Besides, what kind of relationship does Alex Summers have with space? His dad is a literal space pirate and captain of a literal spaceship in literal space. Ah, that is literally, or figuratively, a good point. All of this aside, Kurt shrugs his shoulders, probably thinks this is not the weirdest thing to happen here this week, and offers the assistance of Excalibur. After the rest of Excalibur is let in by Friday, who finally says, Welcome, and nothing else for the rest of the book, 
we get an explanation about what is going on by Alex. Uh, okay, before we go on, we should talk about the pony elephant in the room. Alex, who is now in a blue or black, depending upon the panel, instead of red costume, is probably about four feet tall and looks like a small child in a bad horse costume wearing red booties and gloves. Apparently, the red suit contained lifts and a muscle package. Basically, he looks more like Spider-Ham or Bone than a chameleon. <sighs> yeah, let's just say that Alex's molecules settled down after the transformation and he shrank in the wall. Anyway, picking up from the world tour hinted at in Power Pack number 62, Papa Power took the maladied mother to a special research clinic in Britain. Everything looked great at this place, until it was not. The good doctors were actually evil doctors, and they gassed the whole family and Franklin Richards. Alex, who wasn't in the room with them until he apparently was, being a gassy little horse, was able to go to Friday where Marty was waiting and then passed out. Good story. Can't wait for the movie. But how did they end up at the lighthouse? Friday knew that Nightcrawler and Shadowcat were living there now. And how did Friday... Oh, simple. It was plot convenience. The most versatile ability of all. Ah, I love that superpower. Or Google Maps. Well... Excalibur is convinced. They love to help people with weird stories. It's their shtick. And they have nothing better to do today. So one ride later to the Institute of Psychic Research and the creation of a plan, and we are ready for action. Ooh, this should be good. Excalibur is made up of X-Men members, and they love busting into places Kool-Aid Man style. What is the wall they are going to break through? Put away your red pitcher costume and get ready to say, oh no, because they are going to go all sneaky sneaky this time. Phoenix does telekinetically manipulate Captain Britain and Megan's clothes to look like a doctor and a nurse, which... Isn't how telekinesis works, but oh well. While she will play the part of the patient, Alex and Nightcrawler are going to teleport inside. Bamf! Not very actiony, but very Star Trek 4 -y. Saving a family instead of whales. But, okay. Good thing they have Nightcrawler to teleport them in. Oh, he is still recovering from an illness or an injury or an in-something, so he can't teleport them both inside as he is too weak. But that's okay, as Alex announces that he can teleport now. Seems like it's part of the upgrade package he got when he became a space horse. A thing to note would be that we haven't heard about this new power before this or seen him discover it. He's just, you know, got it now. Of course he does. Well, as Kurt and Alex check out the basement and hidden areas, the other three meander through the halls. Phoenix is feeling around telepathically to figure out where the family is at and what is going on, but she is just finding blank minds, people with no thoughts. That's probably not good, but before that can be investigated further, Alex finds his family, but they are heavily guarded. Cloud Alex discovered them while part of him talked with Kurt and the other cloud parts of him when exploring. Apparently, his cloud form is one big sensory organ now, letting him cognitively coexist throughout the entirety of it. Which is a super cool power feat, but again, was an ability introduced in this issue. Kurt and Alex start to head over to the rest of the team, just as someone or something screams out that Phoenix, Megan, and Captain Britain don't belong. <laughs> the same thing always happens to me whenever I walk around a hospital. Did the people yelling at you turn into demons? Uh, sometimes, but I don't really like to talk about it. I kind of lead a very interesting life. I find that extremely hard to believe. That's only because you know me. Hmm? Fact. Fact. Well, I think Excalibur would believe me, though. An alarm goes up, and everyone who is not mentioned as starring or guest starring in this comic book turns into a giant brownie-gray, demony-looking thing. And a big old, what I would like to call a fight, but really looks more like a no-touch mosh pit starts up. 
Kurt and Alex rush in to assist through the giant middle-of-the-room floor vent, which puts the entire rescue party into one room, which is then filled with gas, which then knocks everyone out. End of comic! You wish. Instead, a demon mutters that they belong to the master now, who will enjoy feeding on the psychic sustenance of their darkest nightmares. And then the demons throw our heroes into a hole. And then the comic turns weird. Uh, it turns weirder. Boy, howdy, yes. The next eight pages have a similar theme. Each two pages are read as one long page with six panels. The white border in the middle is not a straight vertical line, but rather a sinus rhythm, like a heartbeat. Each two-page spread represents a different scene for a different character. And we start with Rachel Summers, the Phoenix. And in order to understand what is happening here, you have to know something about the character. You see, she is from an alternate future where she was captured, tortured, and turned into a hound to hunt down the other mutants. She came to the past to change history, but she still has some serious nightmares about where she came from. So here, she finds herself back in that nightmare, which she recognizes as such. But the being who has trapped her, the guy called Nightmare, quickly pushes aside her will and makes her a... Ahem... Witless Slave, which he then sends out to destroy Excalibur. Okay, a new player has entered the game. Who is Nightmare, you may ask? I really wasn't, but you be you. Created back in 1963 and appearing for the first time in Strange Tales number 110, he is the evil ruler of the Dream Dimension. Capital double D on those. He is a, like an evil force who does bad things to good people in their dreams for funsies and food and quite possibly profit. Good presentation. Don't know why it took you 20 slides of PowerPoint for those two sentences, but... I would never, ever question your artistic expression. Good. Our next two-page spread shows Nightmare's invasion of a strange and terrible kingdom. Luckily, there is a hero named Bonk, a caveman with a large head, who is ready to bring justice and order back to the land by using his head. Bonk's Adventures from Turbograph X-16. Are you finished reading the advertisement in the middle of the book now? Yes. Yes, I am. The next trapped victim is Captain Britain. He looks to already be Nightmare Caught and is in a trial. The judge is the Red Queen from the Crazy Gang. They're a group of bad guys comprised of characters from Alice in Wonderland. The Red Queen is about what you would expect. She is accusing him of disloyalty and treason. The jury box is Nightcrawler, Megan, and... Hey, yay, cool! Shadowcat! They all find him guilty. Well, yeah, I mean, I would too. I mean, you are on a team based out of the UK. Your name is Captain Britain, and you are not the leader of the team. Team. The roster is less than half actual British citizens, and really, Captain Britain is kind of a tool. Well, only one verdict can really be given. Off with his head! Off with his head! <laughs> Off with his head it is! Wait, you had Carrie read that line? Well, Katie's not in this issue, and Carrie's just getting bored sitting here. Oh, well, she can also say this sound effect. And that sound effect would be the sound of Captain Britain's head being cut off by Nightmare, which is kind of disturbing. Next, we have Megan in one of the worst bits in this book. We start with her having a fancy meal with Captain Britain. He spends the meal calling her all ugly in all kinds of ways. She runs out and sees Nightcrawler, who's outside of the restaurant. Mean gut. That is a lucky break. Kurt is nothing if not a jerk like Brian is. Yeah, you'd think, but Kurt actually doubles down on the prior comments Megan just heard, and I am not even going to repeat what was said. Well, that's just horrible. I agree. And the beautiful woman ends up crying on a bed, looking at herself in a mirror. But it's not 
her. It's actually Rachel's image. And Nightmare's arm that comes out of the mirror and grabs her by the neck. Now we're in Kurt's nightmare. First, he is talking to his longtime girlfriend, Amanda, asking her to marry him. But she turns him down. So he asks Megan, you know, Captain Britain's girlfriend, if she will marry him. And that's messed up. But don't worry. She turns him down, calling him ugly. Not beautiful like her. Before we go on, it seems to me that this superhero team has horrible self-image of themselves. The majority find themselves dumb and or ugly. Yeah, and this is compounded by another interaction with missing team member Shadowcat, who calls Kurt a freak. And she is not his friend anymore. Now a sad Kurt is screaming to the heavens, wanting to know if there will ever be anyone for him here. And it's at this point that he gets attacked by Rachel being led by Nightmare, saying that there are here for him. Okay, well... That takes care of Excalibur. I guess it's up to Alex Powers from Power Pack to save everyone, right? Hang on. <laughs> hang on. <laughs> hang on. Hang on. Have you forgotten that this is not a Power Pack book, but it is written by Mike Higgins, so that means that... Uh, that this is a secret Fantastic Four book? Right in one. Remember, Franklin Richards was also captured, and like everyone else, has been put into a deep dream state. This deep dream state reminds him of the coma that he had on Friday a couple of episodes ago, where he says he almost died, which is news to me, but I will chalk it up to a four-and-a-half-year-old's belief system. Franklin is uber-powerful now, and he somehow breaks out of his dream prison by following the call of someone else who has powers like him, but he's not on stage yet. Okay. We do now have a scene with Alex, though. Tiny, tiny horse Alex! Facing off against Nightmare, who is riding Rachel like a horse, because she now looks like a demonic space horse. Well, okay. Sure. So, that would make it a... A horse versus a horseman on a horse. Of course. Then it gets weird. Er, weirder. Again, it gets weirder. Nightmare merges Alex, him, and Phoenix all together to become a weird, pudgy, eight-limbed, three-headed beast. But then, there's more. Following the subconscious call of Phoenix, the god in this machine swoops in to save the story as the psychic energy of Franklin Richard breaks the beast apart back into their component parts. Luckily, all the right ones. Nightmare is not pleased at this, and he forces Phoenix to attack the featureless white energy dream form of the Power Family's young ward. Franklin is not pleased with that, so he uses his dream self to merge with and take over the body of Phoenix, which causes a convergence of vast and cosmic energies, which obviously results in a big ol' crash of coom The next morning, we see Kurt. Pouring some coffee into a Batman mug. Nice. TM, TM, TM. He is in the kitchen talking to the rest of the Excalibur team. It appears that they all had really weird, strange, shared dreams last night. But they feel that they will never know if it was real or not. And thus ends Excalibur's portion of the storyline. <coughs> hey, uh, Rick, it's your line. We need to talk about the end scene with Power Pack now. I, I... Uh, what's wrong, buddy? I, we, we need to go back to this kitchen scene. I don't see why we... Oh, wait. Okay, yeah. You mean the one panel where we see all the members of Excalibur? Yeah. Okay, well, what's the matter? What? Is, is there... Uh, Satorally speaking, what the PJs is happening here? Ah, uh, yes. Huh. Um, well, uh, since it appears that they have all just woken up, they are each still in the clothes that they wear to bed. You know, I guess that's uh, what they wear to bed, and that's what they're in now. And this is okay for a comic book. Well, it was approved by the Comics Code, so I, I guess so. Sure. Why not? 
Uh, but you know what? Why don't you cover what they were wearing? Sure. Okay, fine. I mean, they're not covered, so why shouldn't I cover Kurt is perched on a counter and has a green bathrobe that is, you know, mostly open all the way down to Bermuda. Rachel is in a black thong and red sports bra. Black thong, red sports bra. Megan is in a barely there, frilly pink lingerie thing. And Brian is sitting down on a chair in the middle of the room, manspreading for the whole wide, wide world of sports, barely wearing just a towel. You forgot to mention a gray Lockheed the dragon who is not wearing anything at all. I am talking nethers to nose here. That doesn't bother me because he normally does not wear clothes. So that's like a familiar room with a view. Okay, so... Last page. Hey, 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 Rick, look, 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 it's Power Pack. It's Power Pack. It's Power Pack. Mustache Jim is talking to his kids in Franklin, saying that they should not get carried away with what their weird shared dreams were. It was probably nothing. And even though Franklin's dreams usually do mean something, that this time they don't. So can it, mister? So let's just not talk about things that might upset the not-present Mrs. Power be on our way. Well, you know, he also says that the entire trip over here was a waste of time and that nothing of any significance whatsoever occurred at all. And to this, I fully agree. And then we see Friday flying towards the Institute of Psychic Research. Wait, shouldn't they be flying away from it? Or is this the same thing going to happen again and again, like a go-nowhere Groundhog's Day? I, I, I don't know. I, I just really don't know. Next issue, not Excalibur. This issue. Themes of this issue. Starting with Power Pack Packaging of Excalibur 29. And this is drawn by Chris Wozniak. I'm going to come right out and say it. My favorite part of this entire comic. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of like this. I like this cover. There are some issues with this cover. I mean, we'll describe it first. Uh, we, we've got uh, our corner box, which has got the... Uh, Five members of Excalibur and the one member who never was, who kind of was there, I guess, Widget. Anyways, and then the top Excalibur, which I've always liked the Excalibur logo. It's very cool. It's the word Excalibur, the X is two cross swords, and behind it is a sword with the E kind of being the hilt. And I always thought that looked very, very cool. And it says at the top, Knight of the Phoenix. And we have Phoenix standing there in front of this gray kind of shadowy background and she's got the the phoenix effect behind her and like her face is all red as her costume and kind of flames coming up and then there's this like mountain that she's standing on top and lockheed is passed out on it and megan's passed out on it and captain brin's passed out over her in the mountain nightcrawler's passed out on it and i think it looks very very cool i think it's a very striking cover and it has absolutely nothing to do with anything it's true yeah it's a <laughs> it is a good looking cover and now that i relook at it i'm you're like this is the best part of this garden i'm like yeah. Yeah. It is. It is. And that's, it is. And it has nothing to do with the comic inside, except that, I, I, I guess, Phoenix is kind of the villain for some of the comic book because she's taken over. Kind of, sort of, but she, yeah, she was a glove, really, for Nightmare yeah. is all that it really boils down yeah. to. Has nothing on here that power packs in this book? No. Not even a guest starring. Not even a, hey... Is that Alex? It's, yeah, it's nothing. It's literally nothing in regards to them. It's kind of interesting. This book came out prior to Power Pack 59, and I should give some credit where credit's due. I, I kind of tripped over this when I was looking stuff up, and um, one of our former guests of the show, Corey from New Warriors Talk, he had posted kind of an in-depth Twitter breakdown of this issue, which I kind of stayed away from looking at because I didn't want to you know, get a lot from it. But he did point out one thing that I did read, and that was that this book came out 
prior to Power Pack 59, which was prior to Alex being revealed that Alex had turned into Chameleon. So way to go, Marvel scheduling. (laughs) There's probably a story that's in there, but here you go. I know I was getting Excalibur at the time. I know I was getting Power Pack at the time. I may have saw this and it was like, what's going on? It may have spoiled it for me. I can't remember. I think that my interest in Power Pack had diminished so much by then that it was kind of like, okay, I guess this is going to be happening soon. And maybe this explains why Alex is losing his hair and stuff. Okay. So I just, Mm -hmm. I can't remember back then. Yeah. Some of this stuff, it's, it's basic. It's kind of just hard to get worked up on. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, this is a scheduling issue that kind of would have spoiled the thing. And eh, except that the story is so something. It's so something. Mm-hmm. Let's yep. let's talk about some pieces here. Size, size and scale. Friday's huge. Alex is small. Alex is either quite small and muscly or quite thin and pudgy. It's hard <laughs> to it's, tell. It's hard to tell. I mean, the way that they've got Alex in here, it's here's the thing. I actually. I almost like this version of Horse Alex a little bit better than the musculared out version that we were seeing at the end. I thought the drawing of musculared out, you know, chameleon was very cool looking, but mm-hmm. this seems a little more realistic. It's like it's a kid that's been changed into a chameleon. That makes sense. It's not a I kid who's that. been changed into a chameleon adult. I can almost go for this one a little bit better. Plus, while it's not my favorite artwork, and I think that the oh, it, no. I think that it does look. You're right. It, 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 this does look a little bit like bone almost. Yeah, there's something uh, kind of cute about it as well. <laughs> in its own way, but it, yeah, it was. I was yeah. Just looking at the horse Alex design was very. It's kind of like it's just like just soft looking, and the closer in they do for like a, a close up on the face is just slap some silly putty on the ground and maybe put some thumbprints in for eyes. It's like, <laughs> yeah. I don't, you're not really giving me something that I could, even if this is like an emotional talking scene, I'm just thinking of like spider ham or bone or just something in that kind of just very like rounded, soft feature, elongated kind of snout kind of suggestive of a thing. It's more cartoony, very. especially compared to everybody else. Wozniak's art is interesting. The characters are very much like themselves. There are scenes that I kind of like, and then there are scenes that I don't like. And it's, I don't, I kind of like how he does the characters, and I don't like how he does the characters. He's got really big expressions, very cartoony expressions, but he also makes them also, there's like a realistic to it. Then they all of a sudden, they turn a corner and they're very cartoony. Alex in the hair is extremely cartoony. He is Spider-Man, he is Spider-Ham in the wrong place. Yeah. And I also see uh, Wozniak's art as it's like he d- doesn't fully grasp anatomy and he doesn't quite understand symmetry because you kind of look at like, oh, the right half of this person, usually female, is kind of off from the left half of this person, usually female. That It's okay. Uh, you got little hemisphere problems going on. So, yeah, yeah, I can see it. Opinion. I can see it. Yeah, I can see mm-hmm. it. I can see it. it yeah, it's. It also is one of those things where you're given a character and you don't, you haven't been given any information on it. And I kind of blame the writer a bit. I I feel like the writer, once again, Michael Higgins, I'm going to blame it on him, Mm -hmm. that he's not bringing any consistency. I'm sure he would have seen some of the stuff and he would have been able to say, hang on a second, hang on. That's not what I have envisioning. That's not what my other artist is going to do. That's not how we're going to do this character. He's like, print it, let's go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Whistle blue, we're out. (laughs) Now, 
we've got a character who has drastically changed his appearance, and he introduces a character he has seen one time. Hi, Kurt, my old friend. How are you doing? Yeah. Kurt instantly recognizes him as Alex Powers, which I'm well, like... Well, not in, not instantly. It, to begin with, he's like, I'm afraid I don't know you. But We've it, never but met. Just, and then, he, yeah. says, he says, oh, this is, Alec, I, he yeah. hears the name Alex, and he's like, oh, Alex Powers? It's like... Wow, you have seen so many things, Kurt. Mm-hmm. You have been to other planets. You just going around with Excalibur in these issues entirely. They have gone to multiple planets. They have done cross time capers. They have gone to different dimensions. This could be somebody you ran across in another dimension. You mm-hmm. instantly went with Alex Powers. Okay, sure, whatever. Yeah. Uh- I hate to admit this, you know, they do even say in this, it's like, oh, they met in uh, Power Pack number 12. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, well, that was a ways ago. But also, I don't remember them meeting is kind of the problem. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or like, did they actually? I should really dig that issue out and look. But then I thought about it. And I'm like, but I don't want to invest the time in that <laughs> for this. So I just walked away from it, to be very honest. One thing I will like about this is uh, we know that Alex is still struggling, even at the end of the power pack issues. He's still struggling with the fact oh, that yeah. he doesn't he, he's changed. He doesn't see himself as human. He sees himself as a freak. Yeah. There's a difference between somebody who grows up with a look that's completely different from other people's. And then there's something where, like, you have a drastic overnight change. And this is one of the times when, you know, Alex says, well, hang on. I, I've been feeling so bad at myself, but here's. Nightcrawler, he's lived his entire life like this, and I know he's struggled with it too, but he kind of takes a moment of self-reflection there, which I think is a which nice is point that's there, and it's needed. It, it is. There, there needs to be some reflection in this. There's a lot of, as much as there is in the comic, there's a lot, there's not a lot there to grab onto, yeah. and some of the little bits of self-reflection that are inside people is very kind of like base jealousy pettiness oh i'm not as pretty as so and so oh of course you were dreaming about her instead of me and oh you know kind of a little bit of the adolescent drama kind of stuff is kind of how i saw it or yeah. it's like, oh, and, and these are know. and these are adult superheroes who yes yeah and then let's get into that a little bit because we've got nightmare scenes here each one nightmare is putting up a reflection and, and like trying to turn them into things that you know, he's trying to use their nightmares against them. Standard operating procedure. Mm-hmm. Rachel Summers, Phoenix, this is pretty much grounded in her character. She's always afraid of hunting mutants again and again. That is one thing that's been with her through her introduction. She was a hound that hunted mutants. She worked for Ahab, and that's what she did in the future. She hunted down and, and they killed or turned mutants. Brian, uh, Captain Britain, constantly afraid of failing. He's a failure. His entire history is mystical. There's a Captain Britain Corps that's across all the universes, and he's the Captain Britain Corps of of 616 Universe. But he's kind of a failure, which is funny because he's actually supposed to be a very intelligent man. He is a scientist by nature, but that kind of gets buried beneath the muscles and the flight and the... The mm-hmm. symbol for being just strong. He's the guy that rushes in. He doesn't think about what he's doing. And yeah, he always does fail. He, there's a reason he's not the leader of the team. It's because he's bad at it. <laughs> <laughs> and then his girlfriend, Megan. She loves him to death. She's a kind of a fairy folk. She was. She has her own natural form, but she can't really remember it because she tends to reflect on what other people think she should be. So she 
her body will change depending upon who she's around or how she's interacting with them. Whenever she gets kind of close to Kurt, to Nightcrawler, her body turns furry and blue and, and, and she she tends to reflect what people, what other people see or desire. And then, of course, there's Kurt, who grew up being raised by Roma people, and he was raised in a circus, and which helped protect him and his looks, because he looks like a demon. And that's how he's always been treated. And he's always, he hates the fact that he's, he's being a freak. Yes. What's your exposure to Excalibur back then? Did you read these books back then? I know that I have some of these books. I don't know if I have this particular issue or not, but I know that I was reading some, but I also know that it kind of, I think this might've been around the time where I started kind of like cutting titles. You know how you start reading comics, you're like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to get Spider-Man. And then you have a too much comics coming in for far too long. And then you start winnowing things out as you're like, you know, I'm really not enjoying whatever Meteor Man or whatever. And then Excalibur was on that list that it just kind of like, hmm, you're not making the cut because it just was, I think, just odd. Yeah. And so I I remember that I was kind of like, yeah, not a huge fan. And I, But I don't remember much about it. I kind of remember the team, you know, who was in the team. But, you know, you're like, oh, and Megan, you know, turns into people that, like, influenced by their blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, I don't remember that. I just know she was blonde and could fly and had pointy ears. <laughs> it's like, yeah, okay. But I just know that they kind of just went, like, way over into the different fields of you know, I don't care averse kind of thing. So, so I may have been out of them by this point. People either liked Excalibur or didn't like it. I was one of the people that still liked Excalibur. I liked how weird it was. I liked the goofiness of it. I liked the strangeness of it. And the artwork I always enjoyed too. Okay. Prior to Chris Wozniak. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then what you might like about it might be the things that I don't like about like, like to be very honest, I'm not a nightmare fan. I don't no. like nightmare issues. And I kind of see... Excalibur stuff is in that realm of that kind of like fanciful kind of thing. But with like nightmare issues for me are always just like, oh, who cares? Okay, I get it. It's this giant world threatening thing. And he's everyone now is asleep and they shall die. But I shall be all powerful. But Doctor Strange will be there. And then everyone will wake up and go about their day. And it's kind of like, I don't care, no, man. I, I, I've never been a fan of Nightmare. He's not one of my mm-hmm. favorites. And, and the story has always been one that's like, huh, what? I don't get it. And, yeah, and, it just lets him kind of do whatever. And yeah. it holds no ramifications or, you know, there's there's very little weight to it when you're like, it doesn't matter. It's like, no, you just looking at it for, you know, you'd be like, oh, okay, I just want to look at things. And that's the one thing we got here is that we've got something that really doesn't matter because everyone kind of yep. wakes up and says, oh, what happened? I don't know. Nobody learned anything. Nobody changed. Nobody grew. This doesn't yeah. fit in any other narrative. Power Pack's just going to come out and saying, yeah, we went there and nothing happened. Eh, moving on. Yeah. No, and literally, uh, it's why I kind of referenced it in the script where it was like, you know, Jim Power, very last page, one of the very last things on there is saying, and nothing of any significance happened nope, here. You nothing. Know, it, talking about like, oh, we went to this institute, but it didn't pan out. It was like, yeah, but that's a, sort of telling when the author is kind of putting that in and you can actually say, yeah, but you're just talking about the story you just did. Yeah. And nothing matters. Nothing changes for Excalibur. Nothing changes for Power Pack. What did we do? What's the point here? We're just, we want your money. Thank you Mm -hmm. for coming. Otherwise, this doesn't move anything Mm -hmm. forward. Yeah, it was kind of along the lines of uh, there's 12 issues a year that need to come out. And guess what? It's September. Even if it came out that Excalibur, you know, did remember this, it said, well, you know, okay, that happened the other night. What did we learn from this? Well, we learned that we all have some issues that we need to kind of deal with. Mm-hmm. We all have some self-image issues we need to work with. That would be something. Mm-hmm. Come out of it with that. But no, 
We don't get that. Everything in here is a, well, yeah, we already knew this about this character. There's nothing new in here about it. And it's not introducing the characters well. It's introducing them poorly. Let's take it from another side. Let's put this in a vacuum. Let's say that somebody did not know anything about Power Pack and and Franklin's appearance in this book and Power Pack in this book. You still won't. You know nothing. No, you know nothing. (laughs) Nothing. Power Pack, according to this book, is about some people who live on a spaceship and one of them looks like a horse, and there's an alien. Yeah. And it has something to do with the Fantastic Four. There you go. Also that they're trying to help somebody on the ship. That's it. Seems like it's a family. Uh, the, the rest of them aren't mentioned. It is a very, you know, Alex episode, but I know Franklin was there, but also he was forgettable. Yeah. If that makes sense. You know, it, it was just like he could forget about all of them. And even there was a scene where it was just like, you know, oh, Alex, you know, with a very cool power feat of, you know, just pushing his cloud around and he can sense and view through all mm-hmm. of it. I'm like, well, that's really cool that they've never touched on before. Where, you know, he's just like, oh, I found my parents and they're in these tubes. Are they guarded? Yeah, heavily guarded. Now, there's the three doctors in a room with them. It's like, that's not heavily guarded. That's just like, they're people there. So, and, and we don't really know what Nightmare was doing here either. We don't, we no. don't know anything. Once again, here's the thing. There is the seed, the kernel of something that could be kind of interesting. You've yes. got some things that you can do and make this interesting, but they don't. Mm-hmm. And that's what's really frustrating about this, about Michael Higgins and what he's been doing with the book. And I think that mm-hmm. that's ongoing. Let's wrap this up by talking about the ending because we have to talk about Sexy, Sexy Excalibur. We're going to talk about it again, but we still need to talk about Sexy, Sexy Excalibur. It's so sexy. Chris Mosniak, my brother, what are you doing? All right? <laughs> that 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 was for the personal computer. That wasn't supposed to be for this comic. You messed <laughs> up there. You sent the wrong artwork. <laughs> it's very weird it's very disturbing i'm going to do a little bit of a call out i i forgot to li- re-listen to it but i can remember listening to jay and miles explain the x-men when they talked about this issue and they couldn't get past this last page either they they were completely oh, yeah. befuddled by it but they got to this yeah. last panel and they're just like what is happening i don't know because <laughs> i i read this comic and that's not normal attire folks <laughs> no no it's not it's just a he needed another cheesecake shot in there or something. He needed all the cheesecake shots. He needed all the cheesecake. Yeah, it's like he yeah he sent the the wrong thumbnail that was supposed to go on the uh, yeah the private drive that says taxes or something. <laughs> oh uh, yeah, don't look at my taxes file. Yeah, <laughs> I am glad that Rachel in that scene, especially wearing that getup, did not talk about the fact that she was dreaming about her former boyfriend from the future being in her dreams as a young kid that was saving her. Because that's just that's another level of psychology that you need to get through who's her future past boyfriend uh yeah when she was first introduced in days of future past she was in the future and Mm -hmm. her boyfriend at that time was franklin richards okay that makes sense yeah all right yeah that didn't get brought up in this book which i'm like no (laughs) especially with them merging together yeah yeah culminating in an explosion that was that was a scene where it's just like you know, white energy being dream self Franklin, who honestly had looked like Jack. Let's let's talk more about the art. Let's talk about the artist in this issue in my new horrible horrible segment that I call Creator Corner, where I do a bad job about talking about people who really are a lot more talented than me. So Chris Wozniak, I, I he's not one of the artists that I tend to think about a lot. I know that a lot of people do notice his work from Blue Beetle and a lot of DC work that he did. Some of the real 
kind of pointed things about him, and you see that a lot in this issue, is the way that he draws faces. We kind of talked about it a bit. Very animated. He does a lot with the big, big smiles that kind of go up and big smiles that are kind of teeth, toothless. Yeah, almost inappropriate smiles for things. Because like when uh, uh, Captain Britain got his head cut off, it looked like it was just a smiling head yep. bouncing off panel kind of thing. It's like, all right. That's one of the things he's known about. But over time, his his work did start to improve a little bit. He started to kind of find his his style a little bit more. But he was known mostly for a lot of stuff just in the DC universe to start with. <laughs> the issues with Excalibur. He did some work with uh, New Mutants. He was, did some work in New, Man- New Mutants Annual 2 as well. Avengers uh, West Coast. And it, some people like his work. Just not one of the, his favorite ones, though. But he he does have his fans. He does have a style of drawing that is distinct, which is good. I can appreciate people that have very distinct art styles that kind of set them apart a little bit from other people. I think that in some of his later artwork, I kind of enjoyed it a little bit more. It settled down a bit. But at this point in time, I I don't know. It depends on the issue. It really depends on the issue. Okay. If it's a more serious issue, I would like a little bit more serious artist. This one, kind of the wackiness of Excalibur, at times I think it did fit. But that's my opinion. Anyways, he did a lot of mainstream stuff. Uh, he did a lot of work. Like I said, Avengers West Coast, Excalibur, Hawk and Dove, Justice League America, Justice League Europe, uh, New Mutants Annuals, uh, New Titans Annuals, some Superman. He got around. He at least touched some of the bigger ones. He did some stuff. He did some stuff. You know who else does stuff? Scientists. And scientists do stuff in science rooms or science corners like our friend Jeff. And that's where I'm at. And in this one... Excalibur makes their home in a lighthouse. So, this got me thinking. Why don't we talk about lighthouses? A lighthouse is a tower, building, or another type of structure designed to emit light from a system of lamps and lenses and to serve as a navigational aid for maritime pilots at sea or on inland waterways. Before the development of clearly defined ports, mariners were guided by fires built on hilltops, since elevating the fire would improve the visibility. Placing the fire on a platform became a practice that led to the development of the lighthouse. In antiquity, the lighthouse functioned more as an entrance marker to ports. Modern lighthouses mark dangerous coastlines, hazardous shoals, reefs, rocks, and safe entries to harbors. They also assist in aerial navigation. Once widely used, the number of operational lighthouses has declined due to the expense of maintenance and has become uneconomical since the advent of cheaper and often much more effective electronic navigational systems. So, there you go. Lighthouses. And that is this week's Science Corner. The more you know. Power Thoughts! We would like to talk about some specific parts about this issue, and we'll start off with Refrigerator Gallery. And as far as Refrigerator goes, well, Power Pack does not have a house anymore, but... We'll just go ahead and say that they have an ice chest on Friday. That sounds about right. They are living out of an ice chest because that's the way they travel. So what kind of magnet are we going to put on that plastic ice chest? Well, one that's not going to work very well, but we're going to try to use it anyway. What backup joke art would you like to put onto that ice chest? My joke backup one is on page 11, and I call it Hit the Pit. And this is in the bottom right-hand corner of the uh, page, and it is after the demons have exposed themselves as demons instead of doctors. And it's supposed to be a really big fight that's breaking out, but really it just looks like a bunch of people and demons just kind of like throwing their arms in the air. Let the bodies hit the floor! Let Let the the bodies bodies hit the floor! floor. They're they're at a Guar concert. Kind of, or they just 
you know, hit the wall of death at the Exodus concert. And then they're just going into generalized uh, melee action where, it, yeah, it's just like it, everybody just looks weird. And it's like, yeah, I understand you're doing action, but you're really not. Yeah. And it's just funny to me because it's like. This is not a well-put-together fight scene. <laughs> no, 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 it's not. No, it's not it. But it does look like a well-put-together mosh pit. A little bit, A little yeah. bit, a little bit. I'm going to go with something that is on page 30. And I'm going to get it right all the way. It's at the very back. It's on this page. And it is, and it is, and it's the middle panel where we see Nightcrawler <laughs> holding a mug of coffee that is got Batman's logo on it. And I'm saying, licensing! Exclamation yeah. mark. Uh, they probably had to get uh, permission <laughs> to use that. Otherwise, I don't know. Maybe Wozniak uh, worked on Batman for a bit. Or I, something. I don't know. I'm sure there's something. Is, I'm sure there's something when you look at it. Like there's one too many little, you know, drops at the bottom or something. Uh, something yeah. to get around with it. Or they just said it's an homage. It's an homage. Yeah. Or they said ask. It. <laughs> I don't know. I I, I, there, I had to put something in there about that because bravo, bravo, bravo. You know, clap, 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 <laughs> clap, clap. So. Even Nightcrawler likes Batman. Well, he's got to because it's Batman. Because he's Batman. I'm Batman. We all are. <laughs> We're all Batman. What's your superpower, Mr. Wayne? I'm rich. All right. Money. <laughs> what is your top <laughs> funny, funny one. My top funny one is on this exact same page, page 30, and I call it very comfortable roommate situation. You know, I call that one my top funny one of sexy Excalibur. Yep. <laughs> yep. And in that regards, it means it is the kitchen scene with a uh, towel draped uh, man spreading Brian and sports bra and thong panties and frilly. Yeah, it's it's the whole shaboggle that we covered earlier. Once again, and folks, it is just... we will have copies of these images over on our website, Jeff and Rick Presents. You can go and check them out. Yep. Highly recommend it. <laughs> it's a good site. It's a good site. It's a good picture. You put some work into it. There's some fun. <laughs> you know, yeah, let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> My backup best one is... Uh, a little more serious. And this is what I call page. Well, it's actually page 18 and 19. And it is during the scene of Nightmare with Brian. And this is where Brian is bent over a chopping block and he's about to get the old swing in a dice. I don't know. There's something about that's kind of cool. Uh, Nightmare is completely exaggerated, kind of muscled up, holding the axe above Brian's head. And Brian's just sitting there bent over. It, there's something vicious and comedic and serious about it all at the same time. There's there's a lot no, that goes on good. with the picture. And I just kept coming back to it. No, it is very good. That's a that's a good choice on them. There's a handful of things in here that are kind of decent, and that's an interesting one. Yeah. So decent choice. Thank you very much. Thank you. What's your decent choice? <clears throat> My backup best one is on page eight, and I call it Porter Pals. And this is the bottom uh, two-thirds of the page, and it is after Alex, who can apparently teleport now, and Kurt teleport into the building into their kind of like substructure and they it just looks good it looks like it's a really good drawing of kurt and it's a quite a good drawing of cloud alex until you get to the uh, the horse part of him <laughs> even the horse part's not terrible it's not in this one terrible it's just again i don't like the way that he draws yeah. him as a kind of alien yeah. so but i just thought that was that's a pretty decent look of the characters. Yeah, so. yeah I, I think so. It's it's action shot. They're they're doing something. They're moving. They're yep. you know Kurt's hanging on the wall. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. It's very very cool looking. Very very cool looking. 
All right. My top one is all the way on page 25. So this is kind of near the end of the book. This is um, a little disturbing scene, but once again, it kind of, it's, it's very spread out over a couple of pages here. And I call this one Giddy Up. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a very disturbing image, but I think it's done very well. Yep. And this is where Alex is now facing his this demonic creature in front of him, Nightmare. We finally see Nightmare in all of his glory, and he's riding a horsified, spikeified phoenix. Like I said, very disturbing looking, but at the same time, there's something terrifying about it too, which is what I want to see in a good in a good story with Nightmare. And he's writing her because he can, because it's just, yeah. it's creepy, it's twisted, it's just all those yeah. things. There, there's a lot going on with it, and, it, and you know, he's using her as a hound, and yeah, there's just, there's a lot. This little things, too, like the, the spikes on her costume are kind of bleeding into him. He's already kind of merged with her a little bit. Yeah, there's a lot of weird stuff in this. There is. Yeah, there really is. What is your top one, sir? My top one is page one, and I call it Splash Page. Because it is a splash page. Really? Yeah, I, well, I just it, thought it, it it's was... Be, is it because of the water in the background? No, it was simply because it's a splash page. With water in the background. With water in the background. If they fell down and fell in the water, they would be splashing on the page. But no, I just called that because it's called it's a splash page. And it's just a very nice looking take of Captain Britain, Megan, and Phoenix. It's just... I'm like, yeah, I like it. It's just... It's, I think, some of the, the nicest art of the characters. Kind of agree. I'm not a big fan of how he drew Megan's face and yeah i almost chose this, this one this is one of those symmetry issues i was talking about i almost chose this one but then i kind of saw megan i was like eh, i don't really like that too much okay. but yeah but no i i like captain britain in this one i think captain britain looks pretty impressive in this one and and the fact with the nice background there with the of the lighthouse in the water all right the lighthouse in the water and the coastline i just i liked it not too bad not too that's bad. what it boiled down to that's fine I'll, I'll i'll accept it from you 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 splashy person you it's rubber and glue moment. This is where we insult Jeff and possibly other characters in this book. What is the best or most childish insult in this book? Now, Jeff, mm -hmm. what do you got, man? What do you got? Well, I am going to avoid the obvious choice ones where it's the... Uh, uh, I may not have been able to do that. <laughs> yeah, I'm avoiding the Megan nightmare scenes. Yeah. And, uh, yep, yeah, so my... Backup rubber and glue moment is on page 25, and this is when Nightmare comes riding in on Rachel into Alex's dreams. Mm -hmm. And he says, ha 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 ha, foolish child. Yeah. I just like foolish child. Foolish child's good. Foolish child's good. Mm -hmm. I, I like that one. I like that one. That one's not too bad. That one's not too bad. I, like I said, I couldn't really get away from all of the Nightmare scenes. I did stay away from Megan's, but mm -hmm. I did like something that was said in Nightcrawlers. And this is on what I'm calling content page 23. And it's when Amanda's talking to Nightcrawler and she says, you can keep your ring. I'd no sooner marry you than a Cocker Spaniel. Oh, that's and, a good and, one. Yep. I mean, yes, there's bad self images in this, but as far as insults go, that's a pretty good that insult. Pretty good. <laughs> that's a pretty okay, good I insult. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That's a pretty good that's one. Pretty yeah, good I looked through those and I did like that one. And then I was like, mm. well, I got a theme that I'm going to follow now and I'm going to do that. And I think that we're, if, if you're following your theme, I think that we're going to have the same top one if it's going to be on page 26. It is on page 26. Mm -hmm. And it is it uh, Nightmare talking to uh, Energy Franklin. Energy Franklin. Yep. And what does he call Energy Franklin? Of course, the miserable child called Franklin. Miserable child. Miserable child. <laughs> that's, that's the one. That's, that's the, the one. one. That's 
Yep, that's my top one. I like Miserable Child quite a little bit. I can go with it. I can go with it. I, that, that, is, <laughs> that is acceptable. All right, let's go ahead and uh, do stars in detention. Identify the child who is the best and the worst in this issue. Okay, we got two choices here. I mean, we could use Friday. We could use Marty the Martian. I'm not going to. I'm kind of keeping this between Alex and Franklin because they're kind of. The I old- expanded. I expanded it out into uh, Excalibur. Team oh, you because, did. You did. Yeah, that's what I did. But I could easily pull it out and just put it onto just power. Well, since members. you like to break the rules that I set up for the show all the time, anyways, you do you. You do you. Yeah. What can I say? I'm kind of a Travis McElroy. I'm kind of a bad boy of podcasting. Kind of do my own thing. They're not coming on our show, man. I know, but if we plug hard enough, maybe they will. If we but plug in hard enough, we'll get a season desist order. Anyways. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and tell me what your worst one is, sir. I'm going to say Captain Britain, Brian. Really? Yeah. Huh. He did nothing. And originally I was going to say Megan. And then I was like thinking about it. I'm like, no, I'm not picking her. That's kind of victim shaming and stuff. Uh and also, the, here was a, kind of the scene that did this for me. Friday's hovering over their thing, mm-hmm. and Brian's all like, oh, we gotta be ready. Anything could happen. Oh, we're gonna be, you know, like, yeah, let's go crush. And Megan's like, it's not really doing anything at all. Just kind of like bringing realism to the to the situation of like, it's just a it's a car parked across the street. Yeah, kind of that, that's kind of par for the course for Brian, really. And, and he really doesn't do much. I think yeah, but I was, that was if, the thing. He did nothing. And then even when he was on trial, and he's, it's just like, ah, you're... You know, you're disloyal and a traitor. And he's like, what? No, I would sacrifice myself for the law. I love this country. And then he got his head cut off. And I'm like, you you just, and you're a big man spreader at the end. So I'm just like, no, he just didn't do. All right. All right. He didn't do. That's your choice. I kind of disagree a little bit. I went ahead and went with Franklin. Really? Yeah. Um, because okay. bold choice. Yeah, it, it, he came in and saved the day at the end. Nice, real nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where did he come from? What was he? Do? If if it was if he was able Where to do did that, he come from? Where did he go? Yeah. Why didn't he do that earlier? Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I, okay, timing, I t- uh, timing, storytelling, timing, storytelling. Plot. Yeah, it's if if he is so powerful and was able to do it, why didn't he stop it? What was happening? Mm-hmm. Why why did he have to wait so long? Okay. I just I, I kind of was like he was used there just as like we kept saying the Dosex Machina. He's just we mm-hmm. I've I've written a story. It's really cool. I need a way out of it. Ah, Franklin will get us out. Eh, it seemed very weak. It's like ah, uh, that was your excuse. That's how we're gonna get out of it. All right, fine. Okay. I just I didn't like it. I didn't like the use. I didn't like him in it. And it was just like okay. Fine, whatever. I don't. All right, then. Then I gotta know who's your who's your favorite. Who is? I who's actually your top? went with Alex. And, really? And, and here's okay, the wow. reason why is that the first time through this thing, he was like, "Oh no, we're in trouble. I gotta get out of here." And instead of staying and like him Friday and and Marty trying to do this, he you know he passed out. Yes, but he's like, "I need help. Go get help." And Friday went to go get help. And okay. I, I respected that. I'm like, he went to get help. He went and asked somebody for help. And they like, we're going to come up with a plan. We're it was a good plan. It was fine. It's just, you know, they got taken down. I just like the fact that he actually tried. He was fighting. He was trying to fight through it. He was getting overpowered by Nightmare. But I just saw him like 
trying throughout the thing, and especially the little conversation he had with Nightcrawler, or the thought he had about Nightcrawler. He's like, you know, I keep talking about how ugly I am, or how much of a freak I am. You know, I, I need to really think about what I'm doing. I, I okay. liked it. It was a little bit more introspective, and it wasn't Alex just going, woe is me, woe is me, what do I do? Woe is me, a whaley, whaley, whaley. Okay, I can utterly respect that. In fact, do we want to make it so that it's just the power kids that are in this? You be you, man. I, I'm not going to tell you what to do. Every time I do, you know, you just you tell me, 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 me. <laughs> All right. So whatever it was you said, I wasn't listening to. So instead, I'm going to say that my top kid was Franklin because obviously he <laughs> saved the day. He came in. He broke apart the uh, the trifold Phoenix Nightmare Alex conglomeration. He merged with his coming of age girlfriend mm. in the future past. Whatever it is, awkward, he, he, awkward. Yeah. Uh, again, not. It was it was kind of hard to pick on any. But in this, because nobody really had a lot of agency. Nope. I do like your reasoning on Alex. That really is, that's close to like swaying me over going, mm-hmm. hey, wow, that's actually really pretty great. But I'm still going to give it to Franklin just because he fixed the day and reset all the you clocks. Know, at the end of the day, uh, like everything else in this issue, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. No, I could not, fight you. Nothing of significance. I could fight you on other times we've had this conversation. This one, it's like, meh. Okay. Yeah, the phrase of "this is the hill I die on." It's like it's we're in Kansas, baby. <laughs> it's uh, this is the piece of flat earth that it looks a lot like the flat earth over there. I don't care. One thing I will fight you on though is top yeah. grades. Where mm. are we going to put this issue in our ever growing list of power pack or power pack theme stories? This one is going to count as a power pack theme story, even yes, if it, it is. is. Don't. Lightly. <laughs> Don't need to go past number one. Ah, uh, yes, we do. Um, yeah, but we've we talked about number one a lot. Let's go ahead and talk about our fourth place on our list. Issue number 35. That's right. Fourth place. Issue number 35. Life or death. That's where Fall the Mutants, they battle pestilence. That was a pretty cool issue. I remember that mm-hmm, one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But you know what? It, th- let's talk about where we're at in spot 19. Power Pack number 48. Another dreaming issue. Dolphin dreaming. That's my bad dolphin impersonation. Power Pack heads to Maine for a vacation with their buddy Franklin Richards. So, once you come out of a dream, you usually have a daze, like a school daze. And that's all the way down on <laughs> spot 30. And that's from Power Pack number 14. Boogeyman kidnaps Katie. She gets out of school. But one thing this issue was not, and that is a turning point. But turning point is spot number 35. And that's from Power Pack number 20. And that's where the New Mutants crossover. Danny fights death to save Maggie. We are past the bitter end of the book. But the bitter end was the name of power pack number 52 which is in our spot number 44 yeah we're going down down the list a bit more a bit more pretty soon we are going to have to face a reckoning and reckoning is also the name of power pack number 15 which is in spot 49 that's where julie tries to run away to asgard with the warriors three but one thing that's not secret is our disdain of this book but secrets was the name (laughs) of Power pack number six, and that is in spot 56, the first of the Dragon Man trilogy, The Family Arrives in New York. So we're getting down here a little ways. This is not Child's Play what we do, but Child's Play was the power pack number 34, and that's on spot 64, kind of near the bottom of the book, but not all the way, because we go all the way down to 71, which is still power pack number 56. I got to find new ways of doing the list, because, you know, 
whatever. Anyways. Yeah, I like that. That was great. Thank you. That's some of the points that we have in the book. Where, 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 Jeff, down near the bottom of this list, would you think this one's going to go? Way, way up at the top of the bottom of the bottom of the list. This is not a good issue. This is not a good issue. This is not, this a, is good not a good issue. issue. We, we have to talk about the last book that we did. The Power Pack 62, Lo, There Shall Be an Ending. This is the final book, the one that comes before this issue, even though this issue came out before it. Yeah. Better or worse than that one? Oh, I really want to say this is worse mm. than the Power Pack ending. I can, I it's can, not good. I can kind of go with that. I can go with that. Yeah. I still don't think it's worse than Power Pack 56 because yeah. there are some interesting choices that were made in this Excalibur book, but it's not, it, it comes close a couple places, but there's not problematic elements like there is no. in Power Pack 56. Uh, I don't think it comes anywhere near as close. No. As it is in 56 with uh, Typhoid Mary. It's still, yeah, it, I really want to be upbeat about almost everything. Sure. And there's some okay things in here, but it's just, it's not good. And it starts nowhere and it ends nowhere. Right. It just very much is. You know, and even just kind of like. <laughs> I think it, if this ended with, if this ended with some consequences or something where the people are going to come out of it saying, I've learned something, I've changed, something has happened. It's not just the dream episode, the bottle mm -hmm. dream episode that we've all yeah. seen in some of our favorite TV shows. Mm -hmm. Then we could do something. But because there's no consequence to it, it's like, okay, I don't care. Mm -hmm. And that's why I believe you, it goes down here. I think mm -hmm. with just a little bit more work, I could put it a lot higher. Just a little bit more work. I could see that. Yeah, there could have been something. Something. Just being yeah, able to come out of the book and say there was some consequence to your buck seventy-five that you spent on this book that that's going to come out of it for either Power Pack or Excalibur. Then I could put it up much higher than this. But because mm -hmm. there's nothing that comes out of it, uh, there's nothing I can invest in it. And so at the end of the day, it's just I'm looking at some pretty pictures. But I'm not caring. Yeah, no, there, there's nothing to care about, and most of the pictures aren't even really all that pretty. It's just, it just, it just was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Again, kind of a classic Higgins thing, where it's like some stuff was introduced and stuff then disappeared, and it was non consequential. It didn't matter. Like you said, end of the day, nothing changed in anybody's lives. Yeah. It was a weird dream. They don't even think it was an actual adventure. It was like, I guess so. Don't care. You don't. You know what I do care about, though? I'm going to tell you what I care about. I care about the spear. This, this may be the best part about this episode. Besides Possibly. seeing you again, my friend. Uh, it's good to see you, too. I like the company. Uh -huh. We are talking and we have been drinking Rogue Dreamland American Lager in a pretty purple can. This has remained constant, enjoyable, clean, refreshing. This, this is a nice beer to have in the summer while you're sitting at a, not a baseball game, but sitting at a, well, this kind of is, would be bad because I guess skate park would be full of kids. But, you know, you're, you're sitting outside <laughs> watching something out, watching a sport outside, a sport activity, and this is what you're drinking. You're not drinking the Budweiser or something. You're drinking this. Yeah. You're drinking a quality American lager at your uh, venue of choice while it is safe to do so because we're living in the current times. It'll be, there was the before times. There will be the future times as well. It's all going to get worked out eventually. As long as everybody you know gets on gets on board and keeps on trucking the way that they need to, this yeah, this is just it's pleasant. This tastes the same as when we first started drinking it. Yep. It's still got the same front taste, back taste, clear, refreshing, enjoyable. It is not exciting beer. This is not an no. exciting beer. This is not one that you're going yay. There's something weird with this. No, this is just a 
a really strong normal beer. Yeah, this is a really good support structure. This mm-hmm. is a really good framing job yeah. on a wall. It is what it is. Yeah. It's a really good example of it, like Rick said. It's not exciting. It's not challenging. It's not something where you're like, oh, hey, dude, Rick. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're going over to this brew pub. You've got to try this. I, I bought a growler. We're, come on. I'm bringing it over. We're having this. It's like, no, you wouldn't. That's not a beer that you would do that with. No, this is a, this this is a beer. This, this is a beer where you would get a growler of it. Yeah. And you bring it outside, sit on the back porch, and you're having a lazy day watching your kids play in the yard and just sitting back enjoying yourself. Yeah. You're having a picnic with some family friends or something. Hey, could you bring beer? Yeah, sure. What could I... Oh, everybody has different tastes. What could I bring that is just going to... Will be passable for everybody right here. This is it. Yeah. No. So what are you thinking? What's your What's your Powerballs? I'm actually putting this at like four and a half or a five. I mean, I'm going to give it a four and a half. And this is the reason why. A five is going to bring that extra something. But Mm -hmm. I have got to give this beer the credit that it deserves. This is a solid, solid, enjoyable beer that I've enjoyed drinking this entire time. And I enjoyed finishing it up. No problem at all. Doesn't leave any taste in my mouth. Doesn't doesn't give me anything else than I want from just drinking a straight beer. And I got to appreciate that. So I'm going to go high as a four and a half. I'm not going to give it that extra bush of the five. Mm -hmm. Just because it's not bringing something new. It is a strong, strong beer. This is a good beer. This is a great beer. Something you should look out for. Yep. I'm going to give it a four because it's <laughs> not it's not cresting into that, oh, that was really yeah. an interesting. That was, that had some great stuff. You know, it's, <laughs> as we said, this is a very, it's a strong beer in the category that it is. It is, yep. I, like I said, it is possibly the best American lager that I've ever had. If we were just ranking this as American lagers, I would say it would be a five for American lager. Yeah, for American lagers, <laughs> this would definitely be a five. Yeah. Best American lager I've ever had. It's good. Not exciting. It kind of bores me. Yeah. It's, it just is. So four, four yeah. powerballs for me. Good, good, good. I, mm-hmm. I like it. I like it. I like it. I like it. I'm glad that you liked it, Rick. And you know what I like? What do you like? Kids' perspective, and that's where you talk to your daughter Carrie about the issue that we just covered. So, Rick and Carrie, please take it away. Hello, Carrie. Hello, Daddy. How are you today? Good, and I wonder if it's going to get better. Well, of course it's going to get better because you and I are talking, and that always means that it's going to get better. Yeah, but th- is this comic better? Well, that's a question now, isn't it? Yep. So, we are reading not a Power Pack comic, but an Excalibur comic, right? Right. And one of the things I may mention, it actually takes place after the last Power Pack thing we recorded. What's that? Power Pack 60? 62. Yeah, 62. Right. Alex is like a cute little horse in this one. Yeah, they drew him to be a tiny little cute little horse, isn't he? And even when he was like um, all determined and stuff, he looked really cute. He was like, I'm going to go do this thing. <laughs> so you thought Alex looked cute. Did you like the drawings in this book? Did you like the artwork? Um, not really. Nightcrawler's mouth stretched out into too much of an oval. Yeah, that's what this artist does. This kind of this artist's style is that he, he draws in these elongated faces and these very open mouth faces. You don't like it? Not really. <laughs> not your cup of tea? Not really. No, no. Now, we should mention, remember, this takes place just a couple pages before the end of Power Pack 62. Remember, they fly off, they say, we're going to go and do some things, and then they come back and they drop Franklin off. So this is one of the things they did. And where did they go? Well, first they went to, like, um, a 
place to help Maggie's brain? Right, an institute for psychic help or something like that? Yep. Well, gas everywhere, and so on. <laughs> and something like that. And, yeah. and And they got taken, kidnapped by Nightmare. What did you think of Nightmare? Well, um, evil? <laughs> kind of scary, kind of evil? Yeah. Did the story make sense to you? I don't know why he would exactly let them go free, like, again. I don't think he had a choice to let them go free. I think that somebody broke free of his hel- his hold and, and uh, got Rachel, or, or Phoenix, to, to break free, too, right? Right. Who was that? Franklin. It was Franklin, right. Yeah. But Franklin kind of broke free, and he was able to get Phoenix to break free, and they all broke free, right? Right. You kind of understood the story. Did you like the story? No. I, don't, I can't guarantee this is the last question. Why are they all naked at the end? I mean, th- th- they got some clothing on. You might want to cover that up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, a lot of us have been asking that for many, many years. They're wearing they're something like pajamas, I guess, but... At least just make it random pajamas. <laughs> something that is not that much skin. Uh, they they do seem to be showing a lot of skin don't they yeah yeah i i i don't know what to tell you honey i don't know what to tell you that was a that was a choice that was made and it's not necessarily a choice that i would have gone with so yeah besides that though uh what'd you think of power pack in the issue i mean it wasn't too much you saw alex and you saw franklin and um like only like two panels of the sibling, really. Yeah, you saw Marty at the Marty the Martian at the beginning, right? Right. So not a big fan of this issue, huh? No. Still, why do they make Alex a cute little horse? He's not that cute, and he's not that small. Again, it was a drawing choice. It's not a choice I would have gone with, but it's a drawing choice. Well. <laughs> Anything else you want to talk about with this one? Um, no, not really. All right. We'll go ahead and put this issue away from you and, and so you don't have to think about it anymore. And we'll get ready for the next one. <laughs> one one more to go and then we'll get to uh, June Brakeman and Louise Simonson one. Yay! <laughs> Thank you very much, Carrie. I love you. Love you too. Ah, there we go, Carrie. Insightful as always. Thank you so very much for joining us. Hey, Hillary. Hey, Hillary. It's shout out time. call back the jokes (laughs) we'd like to recognize those listeners who take the time to write in or leave us a review and this is for episode 78 where we were talking about power pack number 660 yeah Brenda Parsons Charles Gears Charlie Rose Green Lantern HG Hal Jordan Hoover Jeremiah and the 4 million years later podcast Jeremy Daw Joey Burdick Kyle Sinelli. Man, this issue was so painful. Yeah. The Longbox Crusade with Jason Albrick. Matthew Birdsey. Max Trevor. Michael Neeritz. Nicholas Prom and Captain Freakout Psychedelic Radio Show. Sean and the Secret Wars and Beyond podcast. And as always, as we have to say it, Tim Price, the Podcrasher, and his show, The Outsiders. Waffles and his podcast, Waffles and Mario Talk About Things. The worst comics podcast ever with Colin Stapleton. And 
We need to thank our Patreon supporters in a bit that is coming very awkward, but we're going to stick with it as long as we can. And so, astonishingly, awkwardly awesome and amazing, Andrew Burns. Cheerfully cheeky and charitable, charming Char Logan. Chatty, challenging, cheesy, and chuckling Charles Gears. Daringly destructive and devastatingly delightful, Damian Witter. Dangerous, devious, and deceptively dainty Doug Jones. Effervescent, exciting, energetic, and entertaining Edward Verrochi. Jokingly jovial and judiciously jumping Jeff Boyer. Musically magical, mighty, and mundane Matthew Birdsey. Mythical, mystical, and magnificently monologuing Matthew Lazaritz. Rudely rhyming, rustic, and running Rustin Fritcher. Superiorly salty and stunningly smiling Sailor Bear Zodar. Shadowy shy, sad and silly Shag Matthews. Stupendously satorially strange and steady Stephen Gray. Tyrannically terrifying and typically tame Tim Price. Technically terrifically and talentedly triumphant Todd Enoch. Wondrously weird and wonderfully wacky wind. And if you would like to join our list of people who we are doing this to, please support us over on our Patreon. And... Be sure to check out the other shows that we are on. Sometimes you can find us on Junior Agent Submissions on the MI6 Rogue Agent episodes of On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. And of course, my magnificent monthly Monday movie muckabout show on the Longbox Crusade Network. And we have some merchandise available on Redbubble. Go to redbubble.com and search for Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Jeff and Work Present is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recording in front of a live studio audience consisting of two men who have one shot each. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at Jeff and Work Present, our Facebook page at Jeff and Work Present, our email address, Jeff and Work Present, all one word at gmail.com, or at our website, Jeff and Work Present.wordpress.com. Also, our YouTube channel is at Jeff and Rick present. And if you would like to help support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com Jeff and Rick present, all one word. We are also a proud supporter of the Hero Initiative, and we will be donating 10% of our Patreon donations to this great cause. We encourage everyone to give what they can to this worthwhile organization that helps the creators who provide us with such great content. Go to HeroInitiative.org to find out more. Please rate and review us wherever you can. Tell your friends about us. Share your love for us on social media. And as always, we want to thank the powerful people in our packs. My wife, Cindy, and our daughter, Carrie. My fiance, Hillary, and our daughter, Aurora. We, we love, love you. you. Until next time. Costumes, costumes off. off. Our theme is Kazay's action. Also featured in this episode is Dragon and Toast. All music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4 Pointer License. <clears throat> what a lovely singing voice you have. <laughs> Knights of the Phoenix! Constant puberty. That is the way my voice sounds. <coughs> and also, not a chimelion. Thank you. Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what? No, just wait. Hey, Hillary! We're moved. <sighs> uh, yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> and then Hillary's like coming in and like, yeah, what? I, 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 I forgot that I wanted to warn her about this little little part. Actually, no, it's better that you didn't because this could be funny. Okay. Not very... <laughs> oh, no. You like that one? <laughs> I do. <laughs> oh, no. Any, any Kool-Aid Man reference we can do always makes me happy.
Uh, so I don't care where it goes in. It's like, Reed Richards is working in the lab. Oh, oh no. no. <laughs> oh, that's fair. <laughs> the roster is less than half actual British citizens. The roster is less than half actual British citizen. Brits. <laughs> you know, those people who can actually speak English, unlike yeah, you. The, yeah, I'm <laughs> British citizens. <laughs> I'll go through it. So. <laughs> Jokes. Da, 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 da. Sad. Hey! <laughs> okay, that does work. That's funny. <laughs> You have to do it in the Slim Pickens voice. uh, Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? (laughs) Uh, There, we got an alternate take for that. Hey, Aurora, could you not scream at the top of your lungs at the top of the stairs, please? All right, that's slightly quieter. Thank you. Technically, terrifically, and talently terrific. Nope. Oh, yeah, I'm supposed to say it too. That's okay. I can just say it. You love we. Mm. Love we you. <sighs> you so be- too late to new- get a new podcast going. We love. Probably can. Be- I wonder what the macros are doing. 